Good afternoon, everyone. We're back at it again in our podcast studio. Today, again, we are celebrating, um, doing podcasts to celebrate Native American Heritage Month, and we have a guest with us, and I'm going to go ahead and let my co-host introduce himself. Uh, my name is Blake Crook. And I'm Billy Bailey. And we're joined by a special guest, uh, Alex Alvarez. You want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, can you um, tell us about yourself? Tell us um, who, you, who your parents are. Um, Sure. How you got involved in powwow and all that type? Yeah. So um, I have been um, singing and dancing in powwows for a long time. Uh, started when I was uh, six or seven. Um, my mother, her, her name is uh, Mary McElvin. Uh, she was aware of her Creek Indian heritage uh, from my grandfather. And um, she really didn't know where to start or what to do. So that led us to uh, local powwows. Um in the Northwest Florida, South Alabama. And um, that's kind of how I got my start dancing tiny tots. I, I think I was like a fancy dancer, but I mean, without any bustles. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, it's kind of grew from there. Um, it became a uh, safe haven for me, an escape from, um, you know, my sc- from the problems at school, the problems at home, um, because powwows were, is where I felt loved and felt welcome. Everybody treated me like family. And um, just kind of fell in love with it there and um, have been um, in it ever since. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So what do you do? What do you do for a living? Uh, several things. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my main my main profession is an educator. Uh, I have been teaching in many different traditional and non-traditional roles uh, for about 16 years now. I'm currently the gifted specialist for Escambia County, Alabama. I teach at... Uh, golly all over um all the way from uh bruton city uh bruton schools ws neal neal elementary and uh, neal middle school flomington as well as all the atmore feeder patterns huxford middle school and uh, rachel patterson so uh i really love what i do before then i taught middle school at the at ecms and i did a long-term sub for a little while uh you name it so it's um yeah that's the my main my main profession, um, I'm currently in grad school f- uh, for gifted education at Troy University. So uh, I'm really enjoying that program. And um, also uh, carve carve shells for, as an artist. Um, and then um, also work as a consultant for, for a few different clients. So that's what I do professionally. Um, and then when I'm not doing any of that stuff, I go to Palo Alto. <laughs> <laughs> You also uh, run the Atmore Soccer program too, as well. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> run a nonprofit uh, for Atmore Soccer. It's rec league. Um, I love to coach. I hate all the administrative stuff. Though. <laughs> it's got to be done though. Yeah, it's got to be done. Okay. So where y'all want to go? Yeah. So uh, so kind of the basis of the series that we're putting out is on powwow, powwow etiquette, mm-hmm. what goes on at a powwow. So I think we were, we reached out to you to talk a little bit more about. Uh, the drumming and singing concept of a powwow. So okay. like the contest, what it means to be around the drum and stuff like that. So uh, one of the questions that we began with Greg was, what is a powwow to you? Like, What is the historical term to you? What is it personally to you? So what is a powwow? So I, I tell anybody, anytime I, ed, I, I teach about powwows to non-natives, um, I always use the word, it is a contemporary reflection of modern day native culture or indigenous culture because you know you're also involving 
especially nowadays you got you've got people from mexico dancing in grand entry as aztecs and mayan as well as of course first nations in canada so it's it's really a, a celebration of north american indigenous heritage and um you know it's, it's 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 evolving you know of course what you see in the arena today in with the songs you hear are not what you would see on 200 100 years ago you know everything's evolving as native peoples we always evolve um nothing nothing stays exactly the same and the spirit of competition has led to you know i mean just just this onslaught of of professionalism inside the uh inside the power arena you know um we talk about singing you know yes there's two styles northern and southern but you compare northern style singing just from 40 years ago sounds completely that's, that's different. a big difference yeah the, even the you know a uh, I sing with a, a really well-known drum group called The Boys as well, and I was talking to uh, the lead singer uh, Hokey Claremont about about these things. And you know, back in back in his time, when he was growing up. The, your lead singer took all four leads. It, that was how mm-hmm. they wanted it. Intertribals were in, even contests like dance contest songs would be six push-ups long. You know, it wasn't. Ooh. Now it's kind of like formatted where four push-ups is is the general. And um, you know, nowadays uh, drum groups they they get judged on their versatility. They actually want more people to uh, to lead. So I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but yeah. So so powwows themselves today are a modern look at Native American culture. Um, you know, anybody who participates in the powwow, you have to honor, you have to pay homage to the tribes at which originated these dances. Um, you know, I feel like we're kind of getting away from that. You know, uh, your, your Southern Plains dancers, you know, your straight dancers, they typically you have to have permission from Osage or Pawnees or, or Kiowas or Comanches the, for the style that you dress. You want to make sure that you're that you're reflecting a healthy image. Uh, jingle dress dance. You know, if if you're you you, you want to seek out mentorship from the Great Lakes because that's where that dance starts from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fancy shawl and men's fancy are a little bit different because they are actually they weren't they started in the 1900s. Men's Fancy with a guy named Woogie Watchtaker and Gus McDonald after World War II. Um, and, and Women's Fancy much, much later, early 1970s. I actually shared a shared a, a bus ride one time in Denver with a lady named Gladys Johnson. She was actually known as the first fancy shawl dancer and um, started from a women's traditional contest. And back then when she was growing up, the uh, the contests ran a lot different. They, did, they would just sing until – the judges picked a winner. And so, wow. yeah. So, so they were on their like 16th or 17th pushup. Oh, and, Lord. and uh, <laughs> the judges still couldn't decide. So uh, Gladys took that shawl. Um, she, they were ancient Northern traditional. So Gladys took that shawl off of her arm and put it around her shoulders. And instead of uh, doing the bounce step, because her calves were burning, she started to dance like the males do. And so instead of dance, dancing stationary, she started to move and, and twirl. <laughs> And that was literally the birth of the powwow or of fancy shawl dance. I don't remember what powwow that was, mm. but so I guess my main message is that everything changes, um, mm. everything evolves, and you know if you compare that to like a rodeo, you know even that is that that's a culture in and of itself. So powwows are a subculture of of this country, and it's a very very popular one amongst tribes and and non-Indians. You know, there's people who who love to go see the the, the showmanship. That uh, people put into their singing and dancing now. Well, I've caught a couple of things from you, Alex. So, and uh, thank you for that 
explanation of powwow because a lot of people have like their own different explanations of powwow, like what it means to you personally. What, mm-hmm. So, um, but I did take a couple of things from that. You had mentioned like um, southern and northern. You know, we're we're talking about different um, drum groups and things like that for. For people that don't know the difference between a Southern and a Northern group, can you kind of break that down for us? Sure. So your Southern style of music, they're, they're called Southern style because of where they originated in the United States. So if you were to take that Central Plains region, mm-hmm. all right, and start with North Dakota or the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming, consider that the Northern Plains. And then Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas be considered the Southern Plains. The music that was generated from the Southern Plains became known as Southern Style. The music that be, that was originated from the Northern Great Plains became Northern Style. Ironically enough, there was a time when these songs were, uh, you, you couldn't really tell the difference. They just sang. Some people sang higher pitch, some people sang lower pitch, but it was still the same, the same style. Um, and that's that's really cool how to see how it's you know kind of spread out from southern nowadays is lower voices deeper bass uh having a three beats for your downbeats in the middle um and they typically sing for your southern categories you have men's straight men's fancy women's southern cloth women's southern buckskin i think that's it that those are the categories that that southern groups are, are responsible for Northern groups are responsible for all the dances that originated from the Northern Plains. And so that's still a split that we honor today. And um, it's interesting enough, like, you know, you look at how the heck did powwows come to the Southeast? Like, it's not something that we, we, we all grew up doing them, but you know, our grandparents and great grandparents Mm -hmm. sure enough didn't. And so there were a lot of guys who started to venture out of Oklahoma because that's kind of like the, the, the closest high concentration of native who were who who had you know you go to the Quapaw powwow their their flyer says 198th annual so like wow. they haven't stopped you know ever since they the ever since removal they they've kept their powwows going on um so anyways so you had these people from Oklahoma start to reach out for festivals and things um guys like Tom Ware uh guys like uh Billy Evans Horse Blue Patacone um and there's several others there, it, but it wasn't just us. So what's cool is like you can kind of do a comparison between Porch Bandit Creek Indians and Cherokee, North Carolina. So like kind of they both kind of got a powwow culture introduced to them at the same time and, and took it and ran with it. Like it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, both Cherokee, Eastern Man Cherokee and Porch Bandit Creek Indians, both being Southeastern people, you know, we have all these beliefs and traditions and dances and customs that have nothing to do with powwows. But that's what brings in spectators, right? And so you saw these people like like Rick Bird, who is still, you know, still doing going. This, yeah. Um, he was responsible for helping share that culture after after the Calvin McGee and Houston McGee era. Um, Rick Bird came down to here and, and started kind of like taking a lot of people under his wing and traveling and doing shows and festivals and powwows. Tom Ware had a lot to do with Porch Creek helping. He come down here a lot too. Yeah, and he and he was a heck of a singer. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, he brought his own, his whole family. Um, and so that was cool. How that's why that's why fancy dance became so popular at for the Port Street Powwow. How that's why all the young boys wanted to dance fancy because they brought down their their war dancers. Because hmm. if you go back a hundred years in Oklahoma, you only had two types of men dancers. You had war dancers or feather dancers, fancy feather dancers, and straight dancers. That's it. There was no grass. There was no traditional, uh, or there there definitely wasn't any tricking chicken. 
So th- those came much, much later. Chicken come just recent. Chicken, yeah. really? Yep. Now, I mean, it, it, it's old dance that came from the, the Sixica and the Blackfoot people in, um, in lower, lower Canada, Canada as well as Montana, but it didn't spread for a long, long time. It wasn't until like the mid 90s when you start to see all, start to see category powwows actually hosting chicken categories. Mm-hmm. So we talking about drums. Um, locally, we have a drum that, um, you've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So, oh, golly, man. Um, <laughs> trying to think of the year. So, had it been what? I don't know. Well, you guys yeah. were singing. We were singing originally with Dreaming Hall. Dreaming Hall. That was yep. Porch Creek, only Porch Creek singing that. All right. When you say we, who is we? Oh, Can you name some of those it would be and myself, my dad, William Bailey, yep. uh, Ding Ding, his brother Tink, um, Raymond Rowland. See, who else? Chris Adams. And there's a few more set in. Okay. Um, and from what I can understand that as we got older, they got older and they kind of, that drum kind of phased out. Mm-hmm. And the young, the ones that was left was the two younger ones was me <laughs> and Ding Ding. Yep. And so was that, was that like considered the first uh, drum group of Port Alabama then? Yeah, okay. first of first official. I mean, one that maybe traveled. Yeah, one because. And what Houston, was the name of it? Tell me. Dreaming Hope. Dreaming Hope. Yeah, so Houston and all them drummed. They didn't sing or anything like that. Right. They just kept a rhythm on right. up. And Houston, um, Billy Smith, and yeah. uh, all them. They drummed. They kept a. They kept a rhythm for the dancers to sing, and they. I mean, dance. They really didn't uh, sing or anything. And when. Dreaming Hawk come about in mid eighties. That's when really the singing really started coming in play. Then it was left with just me and Ding Ding, and t- some ended, some guys that we knew from powwows that was already singing in their own little group, mm-hmm. right? So what was your what was y'all's group? <laughs> Wapati. Wapati. <laughs> Yeah, we only had three guys. So, um, and who is in your group, Alex? Uh, myself, a guy named Andrew Reddy, and another guy named Mike Custard. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we, you know, I have known Billy since I was probably eight or nine years old. Yeah. Um, you know, I always would hang out at powwows and walk around and you know just just uh, play whatever. Get in um, trouble. Yeah. And uh, so you know, you fast forward to when I was like thirteen, fourteen. I think we actually, I, I remember. We set up Dreaming Hawk at Chihaw probably, golly, 96, 97, Somewhere something around like that. that. Yeah. And they had a drum contest. And that was the first time we, we like myself, sang with, you know, Dreaming Hawk or whatever. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we had a, a lot of host jobs around the area in Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. And then, um, you know, because it was just Ding Ding and Billy – we we kind of we kind of decided like as a whole that it was time to um, evolve into retire some, both drums and <laughs> make our own drum merge into a super unit. So, <laughs> <laughs> nah. so uh, we had a we set up at Tunica Biloxi Powwow. This is way before they even had drum contests in Marksville. And um, one of our buddies named Leland Thompson, he's a Cushada in Alabama. He was singing with the host that weekend. I think it was Little Eagles, the host drum. Yep. And uh, so he was just rushing back and forth between drums because we, we were sitting there like three dudes and, like, you know, obviously struggling. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were singing for day money, so I didn't care. Um, so he kept on coming back and forth and, you know, he really enjoyed because we were always just cutting up, 
don't really take much seriously. So he, we, we kept on doing that. Like, I don't know. We set up, set up a little powwow. We set up powwows. We went to Hollywood to Seminole powwow. Well, that was, that was, that was after we actually formed Medicine. Oh, I, yeah. We were still Dreaming Hawk at that yep. time, right? So yeah. then, so we, we fast forward to the fall of 2001. We were host here in Atmore at Dreaming Hawk as, as Dreaming Hawk. And that then, was that uh, picture I showed you. Mm-hmm. And then that the very next, so it was really cool. Like back in the, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was so much more to go going on. Like you could go to an event pretty much every weekend of the fall and every weekend of the spring here in the South. And it's kind of sad to see all these committees kind of, you know, fall apart now. But was, um, would that be a paid um, gig? Would that be like, you know, like you're some playing, of them, like some of them was just us showing or? up. A lot of times we just sh- we just like showed a up volunteer kind of like we just hey, showed up and pushed our way in. Yeah, and then they would give us like a blanket dance for gas money or whatever. Yeah, just something to get you some mm-hmm. money. So mm-hmm. we so that weekend we were dreaming hawking at more, and then we uh, we decided to go to the Louisiana Indian Heritage Fall Power. It was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. So we went we we left. I think we left early early Saturday morning. So hard to sing that. Long. Yeah, dude, we were so hard like. Like there was zero sound being produced. It was like, <laughs> yeah, nothing coming out. <laughs> but so, and then two weeks before that, we set up at um, Mississippi Choctaw Veterans Day powwow, mm-hmm. and in the hotel room, you know, where I think we're eating pizza or something, and you were talking about names. You know, like we, we, <laughs> we knew that we needed to start a new group. So, you know, we're everybody's throwing out names, and mine were really dumb. We was and coming then, out with some wild names. Yeah. I want, I want to, do you recall any of the? Games? I remember mine that they, they got vetoed, and that was Warbird. Warbird, <laughs> I remember that Warbird. Uh, yeah, Billy, God, did, did you have one? I, I don't. I don't think I did. I don't. I, don't I think it, I think Medicine Tail ended up being a combination of the two. Yeah, of something one of us come up with and another one. Well, so so Leland, when he mentioned Medicine Tail, he told us. We were like, uh, isn't Medicine Tail already a name? Yeah. We're like, no, nah, there's no other drum group named Medicine Tail. We, so after after that, he finally told us how um, how he came up with that name. And it was back in a time on the Cachada Res. You know, because Cachadas are, are, are really similar to Porch Bend and Creek Indians as well because they're very isolated. Like, they didn't have a ton of uh, relationships with other tribes other than the Alabama Cachadas. But their people were very... Um, I hate to say, but you're small-minded, like back in then, like it was hard to leave the reservation, mm-hmm. um, and so you don't really see the outside world. Well, uh, Leland um, had a had a dream where this um, this medicine man was sitting in the sweat lodge, and he had an eagle fan, and um, he was you know doctoring Leland with it, you know, saying things, and on the tips of those eagle feathers were these bright, like you know, almost like um, halogenic like red medicine on the, on the, the tips of the Eagle feathers. And, you know, he woke up and he kind of decided like, okay, it's time for me to get out and see the world and explore and, 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 and you know, grow. Mm. And so that's where the name medicine tail came from was his, was his dream slash vision. And so uh, ever since, so then we finally, that was our first palace set up as medicine yep. tail. I mean, three months, no, two months later, we're in Hollywood, Florida, the Seminole tribal. We were scared to death too. Yeah, man. It was wild. Competition has made us tell. We're like five of us. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five guys and, you know, four or five backup singers. Yeah, it was just as many backup singers as it was guys and singing. Well, I'm always um, uh, amazed about uh, these words and things about a song. So how, like at that time, you know, how did y'all 
We were singing songs. What were you singing? What were these words we, or what were these vocals? And how were y'all knowing? At the beginning, we were singing songs that we knew from other other drums. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We were feeding off what other drums, we knew their songs. And Alex was really good at remembering those songs, and we would kind of go from that. Kind of like just mimic and kind of like make mm-hmm. it your own a little bit, kind of mm-hmm. like, okay. And All then right. then um, Leland, I mean, he's he's not even known for it, you know, in the country, but he is one of the best song makers, you know, that I've met. And um, he made he he grew up listening to Blackstone, which is a very very popular group from from uh, Canada, and that their style of singing is very powerful. It's very harsh. It's 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 uh, in your face, you know, in the rhythms. And so he mimicked, in being a fluent Kashada speaker, he mimicked the Blackstone rhythm with Kashada words and made some amazing melodies. So wow. mm-hmm. we were singing probably seventy five percent Kashada word songs. And the other twenty five percent were some of my straight songs, and then maybe one or two creek creek word songs as well. That's pretty cool. And, and we was doing that really quick, like it, it come that come along pretty now, quick. Earlier, you were talking about a push up, and you were talking about you know different leads. Were y'all following what you're saying now with the regular um, four push up kind of song, or were you kind of did you have your own um, melodies of song? You know that transition of song. So, so the the push ups I was talking about that's a form. Right. Mm-hmm. You you have to have it, it's basically like a verse. And so in, in singing, you have ver- full verses are separated by by lead. So you're going to have four leads. Now, when you say lead, I always consider that, that a soloist. Is that, that correct? That's that a soloist. A, okay. And then you have the answer of that of that lead. Mm-hmm. And then the, the body of the verse begins. Okay. And then you have a half verse. So, so it's like a break between the first half and the second half. If you're a Southern style, you're going to put three three downbeats there mm-hmm. in the break. If you're Northern, there's no beats go there, and then your downbeats come in the second half of each verse. And so, like, that that form is something you have to follow. Like, nowadays, because that's what your dancers expect. That's what everybody expects. And so you have to stay in that form so that people understand where it is. Now, with intertribals, it's a lot different. Like, if you want to sing six or something like yes. that. Just to keep the go, the flow right. going, but it, it's almost like you're composing. Oh, so, would you consider yourself a c- composer? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you know you could break this, you could break these songs down mm. by melody and by tunes and by the words. And in, in I mean, I've seen it done before, uh, where people produce sheet music based on you know what a powwow singer sings. So yeah, it's it's on the same level. So it is technical, oh, just like any technical. kind of song. You have you know your highs, lows, your you know your upbeats or whatever you're saying. Your mm-hmm. solo is coming in, which is your lead, and then you have a certain length of song or so many parts yeah. of a song, and then you also have parts in there which is I guess you're calling a low beat. Is that would be your honor beats that mm-hmm. you're kind of going down? Now explain a little bit as far as somebody that would come to a powwow. They're here now. You cannot go to a powwow and not hear. The drum group is that correct? Oh yeah. I mean, do you think that heartbeat? Do you think that that is the integral part besides the MC that we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier? Well, without without a drum, you you don't have a powwow. Yes, you don't have dancers. You don't have music for them to dance to. Right. uh, It is. They are the the one single element that can make or break a powwow. Right. Um, I've seen it both ways. You know, you have a you have one drum group show up and they have to sing. They're responsible for all the songs. They're going to get tired. Like it, it takes a lot of physical energy. <laughs> um, I actually saw, like you know, being a teacher, you come across all kind of crazy facts. And uh, I, was seeing, I saw something a couple of years ago that said um, 
that if you yell for 30 minutes, that's enough energy to heat up a cup of coffee. Ooh, really? So I'm thinking to myself, how many cups of Man. coffee? <laughs> how many cup of coffees could I have drink? Yeah. I might try to, is that burning calories? Yeah. <laughs> But wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, some 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 weekends after we, especially a host drum job, you know, a three day host drum job, like my abs literally hurt from from pushing. And that's a that's a lot of physical work on the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only your voice, but like you're saying, you know, trying to drum and then trying to, you know, that's that's a lot of physical labor, <laughs> yeah, mental yeah. labor, and I mean that that's a lot. So, so a question I get asked a lot at powwows or I've been. They, they've seen me sitting at the drum and then I'll be walking around like, what are you saying when you're singing? So mm-hmm. can you explain to people that don't know what powwow music is or drum music is? What are you saying? Are you saying anything? Yeah. So um, the way I explain that to people is, you know, we have these singers like, you know, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. Uh, I don't know any, any new music you, you young women. <laughs> but uh, at any time you might have them, them carry no, whoa, you know, something like that. And I can't remember the musical term Vocals. for that. Yeah, so it's, it's it's just a vocalization. So you're you're you are literally singing a tune. It'd be like me singing "Mary Had a Little Lamb" without any words. Dun, 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 so it's dun, just kind of helping dun, keep dun. rhythm. Like, huh? You know, you're keeping that vocal well, with the rhythm. Right, exactly. And okay. so these these melodies are gifts, right? They're they are they come from creation. They come from. Um, you know, even even the radio can influence. Like I know there's one guy uh, who made made a powwow song based off of that. Uh, I don't know. I, it might be like the '80s that Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. <laughs> so then you change that. <laughs> so like you know, it, there, there's melodies and tunes and everything. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> but there's also songs where you incorporate language in as well definitely yeah so then the other side of it is, is singing word songs where you're actually singing sentences or phrases in languages um you know singing with the boys we we sing we sing in many different languages we sing in lakota we sing in cree we sing in anishinaabe from Ojibwe, um and a few others and like uh we sang a song at san manuel powell a few weeks ago a big one in southern california where um uh, one of our song composers named Bud Day, he made the song for like Men's Grass or Men's Fancy. Um, that actually had it had Ho Chunk, it had uh, Anishinaabe, and it had Sue all in the same song. Wow. And um, it was really cool. I mean, he he's like one of the wizards. So that's the great thing about a composer. You can kind of if you're composing that song, mm-hmm. you can kind of put that on there. But it's just keeping writ that same style of song so that when you're drumming for a, your dancers, they know that flow of song, correct? Exactly. So yeah, you're, you, the dancers really care about tempo. Yes. You know, you, you don't want to sing a, a fancy song for cloth. Right. You know, they wouldn't be able to dance. Um, I have seen cases where people have, have came up. We, uh, we went to Arizona state university Powell one time and we sang an Ojibwe song, which in Southwest, there's not many Ojibwe's, you know, who are, who live there. But one guy was dancing in a tribal and he came up and he says, what, what were you saying in that song? And so I told him because you have to know the translation. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's like, right on. Okay. Man. Yeah. yeah he, sure. he was yeah. testing. He was testing. That you. was a test. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Could you imagine if I said, I don't know. We just learned it. We just <laughs> learned that song. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, you, you got to take it serious. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, that's pretty awesome. And I know you've composed uh, a number of songs that incorporate the Creek language in it as, as well. Yep, yep. It's I find it very hard. Right. Um, it doesn't to, really flow that yeah, well. Creek, yeah, Creek language is a little different. It, it, rough, it, rough around it, the edges. Yeah, <laughs> it, I don't think it's meant for men for ballad songs. So I mean, some of some of those songs that we were singing. That was Creek word songs. They did flow. There's a few good yeah. ones that are really good. But I get what you're saying. It's a, have a lot. Creek language is choppy. And it has a lot of guzz in yeah. the in back of your throat type stuff. So uh, that's down re- in there, huh? Yeah, yeah. That is really hard to hard sing. Hard to get out when you're trying to force that out and mm-hmm. be a powerful singer. Exactly. Well, that makes so sense. But then I, let me ask you something because I'm the only woman in the house right now. I've seen a, some women standing behind you. So tell me a little bit about a backup singer. And is that... Is that, you know, is that, am I calling that right? A yeah, backup yeah, singer? Yeah. But, you know, that's what I'm thinking that. So, you know, backup singers are a very important part of a, of a drum group, um, if you have them. And, you know, the, these are, these that was something that was done in the 16, 17, 1800s. Again, that's a northern style and a southern plain style uh, um, trait with having your backup singers. Now, there are tribes out there that um, I know, especially like an organ um, where you actually see women sitting on a drum, but for the most part, that's a that's a taboo, and they are they sing a backup. So what happens is when the, when the men come off that that lead and the answer, the pitch of the song is going to start to drop pretty rapidly. So about I don't know one fourth of the way through on that first half of the verse, the women are going to come in together. And I, to me, it, it provides, it makes it, it creates a melody of harmony where you have them singing a little bit higher than the men. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a, it's just a, it it's makes, a harmony. It's that it, harmonizing of, yes. the, of a song. It's, it's, it makes a song very powerful when there's yeah. a good backup singers. It makes a song very powerful. I agree. I agree. So, so on Medicine Tail, your group, so speaking from that, so you, there's no, you're not going to see a woman, a woman sitting there drumming on the drum, but you will see her standing up from behind creating the harmony of the song. Yeah. Every, every now and then. Yeah. Okay. You may see, right. you may see Mary back there. I guess what I'm saying <laughs> is you won't see the the women sitting down. Never. Drumming at your at your drum. No, and, and you know there are, like I said, there are a few groups out there that do that. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to Denver March Powell in Colorado, like you're going to see a couple groups that have women sitting at the drum, um, and there is a time and a place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to see that at a contest powwow. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So whenever you're talking about, typically speaking, yes. Yeah, so whenever we're talking about, um, you know, powwow again is coming into this more of a contemporary type of we were saying maybe a, a style of living or like a way of living um because now then you know a lot of majority of the powwows your dancers are coming they're dancing for competition mm-hmm. there's also a portion of that to where you're also drumming for competition right is that correct oh yeah can you ex- you know explain a little bit of like you know somebody that might not know, have any knowledge of you know what is that what's the drum contest so yeah it, it has become a very very big part now it here recently, I would say the past ten years, they've gotten it's it's like somebody has inflated the, the contest tenfold. Like you know, when I was growing up, you would see fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars winner take all drum contest, and that was a lot of money. And not many powwows had drum contests. No, no, they didn't. And you know, so when you saw a drum contest, it was like, ooh, that's gonna be that's gonna be mm-hmm. bringing some good guys. And now. 
if you're not if you're not giving away twelve or like twelve and fifteen thousand are like the minimums for for drums to come in. Uh, if you want, if you want people to come from all over the United States, and I, you know, I get it. Gas is, you know, it it costs a lot to travel. Flights are expensive. Hotels are expensive, especially when you're talking about bringing eight to ten guys. You're not talking about one dancer. You're talking about eight to ten to twelve singers around a drum who all have those same needs of travel. So, anyways, the drum contest um, is very, very in depth. You know, there back in the day, I don't think it was near as as intense uh, as um, Serious, not a serious, but uh, I remember, I think I'm technical. Back the, yeah, yeah, there, there's the word technical. So like they would maybe just write a name on a piece of paper. Okay, here's what I want: first, second, third. Well, now you've got points uh, associated, almost like uh, like uh, the Westminster, the dog show, Westminster do? Abbey. Yeah. West, I don't know. Whatever. Westminster. <laughs> that's the name of the. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the place. Yeah, anyway, that. so like something or another. It's very technical. There are point yeah. values given to uh, every single thing. Like uh, the way I run the the drum contest at at, at Porch's Powwow is every lead is scored one through seven. So that way you'll you'll see the the judges. They'll every every time somebody leads, they're marking on their clipboard. So it's up, down, up, down. And what that does, instead of having one box for leads, like I'm, I'm trying to take away the room for discrepancy. Oh, yeah. So like, you know. So each lead would have its own score. Um, score. Yeah. So let, let's say Blake's leading and he chokes up a little bit on, on the top. Well, I go, if I only have one blank there out of one to 10, I might, I might dock, I might dock all the leads and give them an A out of 10. But he's the only one who, who choked up a little bit. Yeah. So that gives me room to only only take away points from his personal lead. Yeah. So then you've got that. You've got the way a lead is answered. You've got the tempo. Are they singing the appropriate song? Um, cleanliness around the drum. Do they, yeah. Are there trash and cough drop wrappers and water bottles all over the place? Or they or they do they care about their their uh, their area their space? Um, how they answer the volume and the harmony. So yeah, there, there's a lot of top boxes, and then that those scores are given to the tabulators. So there's it's a running competition. So by the end of the weekend, you know, gr- drum groups may have racked up you know fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred points. So this is a big deal, big time, yeah. For yeah. so in even our own porch powwow, we have you know drum contests, and so it's a big deal. That's pulling in several different drum groups, correct? Mm-hmm. And would there be separate categories for your northern and southern? So. We, we, you, we play around with different options. Um, unfortunately, there's just not that many southern groups as there are compo- at, compared to northern groups. Mm-hmm. When you go to these larger powwows across the nation, Great Lakes, um, the, the Central Plains, and especially like the Southern Cal, Southern California circuit, it's all combined. Like you, you there is no southern category. Um, it's only like cer- certain powwows have have it split. But split up between northern and southern, but here, in order to to increase the prize money, we combine it that way. We can offer a twelve thousand dollar prize and a ten thousand dollar second prize, right? And, and that way, it, it people see that dollar amount and say, "Okay, this might be worth going to." Now, we forgot to mention that your position in our porch band of Creek Indians powwow. What is your um, duties as at that at our powwow? Because so, we forgot to mention that at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we did. So I, I am the head drum judge, uh-huh. um, but I, I basically I'm behind the scenes making sure the contest is fair. 
Um, I, the, the point system that is used, the tabulation system, is one that I created. Mm-hmm. And I take a lot of pride in it because every year there are hardly, there might be two or three ties. And you know if somebody tied, it's legit. So you got to watch things like using, making sure you have odd amount of judges, making sure um, that people have the right, on, have, have the right numbers. You know, you've been behind the scenes before. Me, me saying, hey, hey, that's not right. That's not right. Let's 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 pull that tabulation sheet, and see what's going on. And you, I've, I've done head judge head judge positions for other powwows before, and sometimes all they want you to do is pick the judges. Like they don't want you behind the scenes in anything. So I'm like, all right, yeah. Um, that's responsibility <laughs> on you then. Huh? Exactly. Uh, probably the most stressful was um, being southern southern dance judge at Gathering of Nations. Ooh. That was in 2022. Last year, yeah. <laughs> 2022 um i counted i don't even i can't i think we used over almost over 100 judges in two days we had it, it, it was so complex where we had like for the for the adult categories because you're trying to make sure you're not there till four or five o'clock in the morning we had we had 10 judges sitting down and then 10 judges judging so that way when they when those 10 judges went up to judge the dancers the other ones were already up go. and the song was going so I mean, it's it's just, you're trying to do whatever you can to put to make it as 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 fair and expeditious as possible. So if so, if a dancer doesn't um, get their first place, are they coming after you or? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm coming. <laughs> Alex Alvarez says yeah. you need not. I, I have I have seen you know, but, but but rightfully when you're looking for judges for these categories, you're looking for somebody that is going to be one fair. Fair. Looking for certain that they know the style of dancing, correct? Right. Okay, Fair, so. knowledgeable, um, dependable are the probably the three qualities. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, something I see the other powwows do is I see the head judges how they have they have an envelope. And I mean, you know, you're it's a sacrifice. You're asking somebody to give up their family time. Mm-hmm. They're at, you're asking somebody to give up their comfort for at least an hour and a half mm-hmm. of, of judging. If you, so, let's say, hey Billy, will you judge teen categories for me? He's going to say no problem, but you know he's given up his time, his visiting time with his family. Um, so that is a sacrifice for somebody that's being. I mean, to judge a category, and- right? It so- takes a lot. I've been. He's asked me before, and it takes a lot to judge and be unbiased. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because you know, no one in this powwow circuit, we know a lot of people. Oh yeah, sure. And it's you know making sure that you're giving everybody the accountability. Well, just knowing that you're giving somebody the fair chance. Exactly. So like. I, I've, I've seen powwows where they give the the committee gives the head judge uh, an envelope and it's full of twenties. And so after the after those judges are excused, that that judge shakes their hand and gives them a twenty dollar bill. Oh wow! You know, yeah, you're not giving them much, but that's something that, that you could that's, you that's could eat pro- on. Yeah, you know, and so that's a way of saying thank you. Yes, and you, it, it makes people feel feel a little better about it. Feel a little appreciated. Right, right, yeah. right. I, I personally, in my mind, feel appreciated just because I'm being acknowledged that I know. And I'm respected You've been enough. Trusted enough to, I'm trusted enough to know that by them, and I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex, you also mentioned that whenever you're being judged. Now I'm jumping around, but I did want to come back and recirculate sure. back to something that you had mentioned about being judged about your your space, you know, cleanliness. Why is that so important? And I mean, what is what is that circling around all about that? So. That, that, that's an old teaching, all right? There are certain, you know, I talked about how new and modern powwows are, mm-hmm. but there are still elements that are very, very old. And being a drum keeper is an old responsibility. It's, it's, uh, 
it is a blessed burden, so to speak. Um, it's a high honor. It's a privilege, but, but you have to hold yourself accordingly. And um, that, that kind of goes into the responsibility part where, you know, some of these powwows, the older ones, they might even say you must have five people sitting at the drum at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's being super, super strict. But keeping your area clean goes back to a time when, when these drums were used ceremonially. And they are still used ceremonially. Mm-hmm. A, lot of the, a lot of the songs that are sung, well, not the songs that are sung, but the, the singers themselves participate in big drum ceremonies, or is, which is what is the equivalent to our kind of like green corn mm-hmm. of the Ojibwe people. Um, you know, they, they use a lot of the same, the same instruments. And, and so like that respect that you have kind of carries over from the traditional culture into the powwow culture. Mm-hmm. And you still have to represent yourself well, because for whatever you think of powwows, you know, no matter what your um, idea of them are, is that it is for some people, it is spiritual. And I have seen people weep because of a song. I've seen people feel better who are, you know, stage four cancers come up. And, you know, hug, hug the singers for what they did. So when you're keeping your area clean and having respect for your drum, you're, you're honoring those people, you know, you're, cause you never know when somebody's going to need your music. Oh, I like that because sometimes we always say, like we said this on the earlier podcast, we're not dancing for ourselves. We're not drumming and, you know, y'all sense for ourselves, but we're drumming for our people, for the mm-hmm. spectators. I mean, a spectator, whatever you want to call them, but. I noticed that if someone enjoyed your song, say that, you know, you're, we're at the Porch Banner Creek Indians, I feel in that song, what's some way that we can show a patronage to your jump, drum group, you know, without so, disrespecting? Yeah, so if, if you like a drum group's music, if you, if you feel moved to, um, you can go shake their hand, you can take pictures with them, mm-hmm. um, and then it, it's always customary to put uh, a monetary value on the drum. And you, when you put it down, you can pat the drum, you know, and, mm-hmm. and put it to your heart. Cause you're, you're, you're wanting, you're wanting that, that medicine. Cause I mean, th- we just talked about energy. You've got, you got 10, 12 guys around a drum, you know, singing their hardest into, into a drum. That's energy. And so some people feel that, 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 that energy can make them up, uplift their spirits physically, mentally, or emotionally, mm-hmm. or even spiritually. And so I've seen where, you know, people put monetary value down, um, you know, 10, 20, uh, Dancers who win specials to your music, they're coming down and, and you know, putting putting a hundred dollar bills down. Right. Um, and what's cool about with singing with the the boys is that typically what we do after a powwow is over, we have like this pocket of money that people have thrown on the drum. And we take part of that and we find an elder who is sitting in the audience. Oh wow. And we go up and shake their hand and say, This is from this is from T V Z. So it's at, that, well, that, that is a good, yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. We always talking about giving back, you know, uh, we always thought we were earlier, we were talking about head staff, how sometimes they get paid, but then you're also giving that head, that money back to, you know, your support staff and people that are helping you because without that, you, you know, so just giving back to the power. I like that. There's those respect, you know, kind oh, yeah, of sense. So. Yeah. So, you know, being around power, sometimes you, uh, if you're ever walking around a powwow, you'll see drum groups cover their drum, whether it be a blanket or, you know, mm-hmm. they, they may turn it on its side or anything like that. What is the significance of maybe the blanket being on the drum? So two things. Uh, number one is keeping grandpa warm um, where it uh, not not just physically, but also, uh, you know, emotionally as well. Like, you know, the, the humidity, depending on where you sing the humidity can, can wreck your, wreck your hide. So 
if you want it to have less of an impact, you cover it with a with a blanket. That way, the 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 humidity doesn't have such an impact on it. Um, a lot of drum groups carry small heaters with them to help. Uh, you know, if if their drum needs to be tightened or something like that. But then also that that is just one of those protocol things. That that's what I haven't used much. But it's protocol that when you're not singing, is you cover your drum up um, as 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 a sign of respect. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you'll see people put cigarettes or tobacco on the drum. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the significance behind that? So tobacco, or you know, in the modern form of cigarettes, it's it's an offering. You know, traditionally, you know, tobacco these days it, it is you know, you of course you've got your 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 smoking hazards and whatnot, but tobacco in its purest form, it, it you know, it, it's harmless. And especially what I've been told is that, you know, back in the day when these people were, when, when our ancestors were smoking, they weren't inhaling. It's not like they were, you know, ingesting that, the, the nicotine, the harmful chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so tobacco represents a, a mechanism to carry your, when it's burned, to carry your prayer up. And so it's a very valuable herb and giving a drum group that they're able to keep on, they're able to pray. And so like you're, that's, a, that's a traditional offering. We talked about something er- earlier about an eagle whistle and talking about how that's an honor. Can you explain a little bit about a drum group receiving that whistle? Yeah, so that's something that I'm not I'm not too um, educated on. Um, I just know, you know a little bit about um, there are designated whistle carriers from different tribes. Um, most of the whistle carriers are going to come from your Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota peoples. And when they blow that whistle, uh, they're, they're doing it on a drum group to honor that the specific drum group, but also calm the spirits. And so at that time, you might hear the MC say, no pictures at this time, no photography at this time, no recording at this time. Um, and, and it is a special thing, but unfortunately, you know, I, don't, I can't speak intelligently on the deeper meanings behind mm-hmm. the whistle right now. I just know that I know what to do. When one's blown. So what's the responsibility of the drum group? How right. about that? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've been in several situations where it doesn't matter if you have one person at the drum. That's why you always keep one person at the drum. Because yeah, they'll come up when you're not even drumming. And, yeah. whistle. and if they do that and you're not there, they you they they have a right if they want to, to take, take your to take your entire drum away and basically take take the responsibility of singing off of you or from you. Um, so even if like, it doesn't matter, like sometimes you might be sitting there and it'd be dead silence and some guy will run up and blow the whistle. And it doesn't matter if there's two guys singing or three guys there, you have to start immediately. Um, and yeah, so that can be kind of stressful. <laughs> if, yeah, I can if, see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Cause like, you know, we're already on a tight schedule and like the, 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 the little break that you do. They went get, to go get something to eat. Exactly. And, and then, then somebody wants to come. And- yeah. But, but nowadays there are a lot of, a lot of powwows actually um uh designate or dele- delegate who the whistle carriers are going to be for a session or for an entire weekend and um those are the only people and so they they kind of you kind of know that right after grand entry that's going to be your, your whistle time okay or towards the end of the power that's going to be your whistle time right um but yeah so and then there's different types of whistles too like you hear fancy dancers blow whistles mm-hmm. during contest songs that's not the same that's thing. not the same right gotcha mm-hmm. The so, ones that are whistle carriers will not, they know right, yeah, and, and we had, where to do it and when to do it. We had just spoke to Greg, you know, you know Greg I, and you know, we have sing with, we've sung with Medicine Tail for quite a few years now. We've been a part of a few times where we've been whistled, and so it's, 
I know for me, it just feels really powerful. I didn't know if you had an experience, how it feels for you whenever a song gets whistled. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely hype. Um, one situation we, we got whistled, uh, three times back to back to back. So you're singing, <laughs> we got done singing our regular drum contest song. And I mean, soon as that, that last seat, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> here comes the guy with the first whistle. We're going to, we get done singing those four pushups, go to end. Here comes another guy. And then, so by the end, we had sang 16 pushups wow. of the same song. Ooh. Like talk about slice city. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Well, I love that. That's so good. Is there anything, Alex, that maybe we have missed about, you know, something that doesn't know anything about a drum group or something that maybe this podcast would help? You yeah. Know? So my, my, the thing that I, I'd like to share with you all is, is how I've started singing. Um, you know, some of the, a lot of the guys that I sing with, they come from singing families, like where their freaking grandpa, grandfathers and great grandfathers mm-hmm. and fathers have all been a part of a successful powwow drum. So they were able to grow up, you know, as two and three years old, learning songs, learning melodies, learning tunes. And, you know, they kind of just fell into, fell in place to it. You know, there's several family drums that are still into play now. My, you know, probably the most well-known one is Mandaree. Mm-hmm. You know, Mandaree mm-hmm. singers uh, from three affiliated tribes in Fort Berthold, you know, they, they, not, they have the original Mandaree still going, but they also have three drum groups that came from all those guys, Young mm-hmm. Bear, The Descendants, and um, that might be it, those two. Um, but all those guys are family. They're all brothers and first cousins and their dads all sang together. So they're just continuing. But for people like us where, you know, we, we didn't have that connection. I remember buying a cassette tape, the 1992 Gathering of Nations cassette tape. It was purple back then. Like it was big news when the Gathering came out because it was like all different color, red, green, purple. Like, you know, you'll see different color tapes. And every day after school, I would play that cassette tape in my room, and I had a five-gallon bucket and a stick, the, a drumstick I made <laughs> out of a T-shirt from, from a branch outside. And I sat in my room, and I, and I imitated, I mimicked, and I learned every single song on that cassette tape, side A and side B. And it was all, it was all northern music at that time. And so I started off singing, singing northern. And... Um, I basically was self-taught on the on the melodies, the style, how to sing where you're not singing on beat, where the the, the beat kind of flows with the song, and that was where I got my start. Now, after that foundation, then I had mentors. Uh, I've got to mention uh, Kenneth Kelly, lead singer from uh, Rocky Park Singers. We lost him in uh, COVID, but um, a humble, humble guy um, has sang with some of the best drum groups around. And he taught me a lot about singing. And um, I was—I met him when I was 12 or 13. He kind of solidified what I was doing. He wasn't afraid to tell me what I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I worked hard to adjust those things for the next time I saw, I, I would see him somewhere. And um, so, yeah, so my main message is, you know, there are several people around the community now that can help guide you on getting your, getting, getting your start in singing. But at the end of the day. It's all if, about you. If you want it bad enough. Get a five-gallon bucket, just go play, play YouTube, and start learning. Well, that's kind of how we feel about uh, singing and dancing. It's kind of like if you want to learn dance, hey, we have technology now that you can definitely, you know, look on YouTube. Oh yeah, there's there's learn, no, there's you know, no more excuse 
excuses. <laughs> and I mean, we, we have a lot. If you want to do it, it's there. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot of youth around the Porch Creek community that you know. I think that. This is almost like a mentorship, like, you know, around the drum group. I mean, I know y'all say that y'all all like to cut up, but there's a time of seriousness and a oh, time yeah. to cut up. But, you know, what would you recommend, like what you're saying with our youth, that they're interested in drumming and learning to drum? Hey, do it. Like, sit around, you know, go get you a tape or go and ask, you know, somebody that's been there, yourself, you know, Billy or Blake or Greg, some of these people that have been there. Don't be afraid to ask. Is that kind of what you're saying too? Well, yeah. And then also, I think if they, if, you know, if they ask the right people, like you know, Blake, he started singing with a with mm-hmm. a, a youth powwow drum group, right? Um, named uh, Edel Madrezi or, or New Tree. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Um, <laughs> no. Nah, so like it was him, uh, Ricky Reed, Bo Raymer, Bakari Raymer, um, Ty Hill. Yep, Ty Hill was there. I think we need to get that going again. Bryce, Bryce, Bryce McGee's another one. Tom um, so all those kids, man, like they wanted to learn how to sing. So back before the um, the old Chadland building became whatever it is now, like that was part of the Boys and Girls Club. So we would meet there, like was it every Tuesday or every Wednesday, and have drum practice. And the the kids got so good that we actually got a couple of host jobs right. for them. I different power. We went to uh, <laughs> some power, Miami, Oklahoma. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about yeah, that. We rolled out on a little shuttle bus and went up there and yep. hosted. Host Miami, Oklahoma, uh, Alabama, Cushada, the, the Children's Power, Moab, Choctaw, Children's Power. So, if they can, and that, that was like off of probably six months. Like, that right, was not a, right. a huge time span at all. Um, and now, I will tell you guys, if you guys want to get it to go, if, if somebody can head that up, San Manuel Power, the one I just uh, came back to or came back from, they have a youth drum contest. First place is five thousand wow. dollars. So, yeah, you want to use that as motivation? Um, yeah. I think we need to get that going again. <laughs> and I think we can't go with it. Right, we can't right, go right. with them. But. but you can have. I think all your singers have to be under the age of seventeen. Right, under the age cool. of eighteen. So yeah. yeah, there there is there is definitely room uh, for drums. Uh, when Billy and I were growing up, it seems like there were so many more drum groups and so many more pals in this area in the southeast. And now they just kind of people get older, you know. People get jobs and lives and, yeah. and families, and that t- that sometimes pulls pulls people away. Um, and there, it definitely happened to it. me. Yeah, I mean, got to take care of your family. Yeah. So for a little while, well, I was just pulled away. Responsibility and you yeah. know things like that kind of take presidents, and then you have to do what you got to do. Well. I do like that, that, you know, just kind of kind of do it for yourself. You know, don't be intimidated. Mm-mm. You know, there's people out there willing to help. And yeah. if you get a no, don't stop there. That's what there's I tell other people. people like, that- there's going to be a yes. There's probably 10 yeses to the one no. Any drum group that you go up to um, at, at, at Thanksgiving or any other powwow, mm-hmm. go up to them with some tobacco, maybe $10, and ask them for advice. You could ask them for songs. Um, if if a if a person that's what we used to do when we were younger. I remember going up to Harvey Drever from Whitefish Juniors and ten dollars a cassette recorder and a pack of smokes. Mm-hmm. And that guy said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to." He's one of the most well known singers in the country. I and, remember those those cassettes where they people just singing yep. into the mm-hmm. into the oh, yeah. recorder for us. And that dude filled up two sides of a cassette tape of nothing but Whitefish Junior songs that he gave. He was giving us permission to sing. Oh wow, that's awesome! I love Whitefish Juniors. 
So just yeah. kind of giving them respect and, you know, of saying, hey, yeah. I like what you got. Are you willing to teach me or give me mm-hmm. a little bit and then giving them something for return? Exactly. Oh, exactly. wow. I like that. Because at, at powwows, they're always, especially with drum groups, there is this the big, big idea of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you always are going to give you're we're given our music, we're given our advice, our knowledge. Um, even with Medicine Tail, you know, um, we have there's kids who want to who want to come in and sing. Um, my wife's uh, first cousin, Caleb, second cousin, Caleb Rodriguez, um, you know, for the past time, he's come to the powwows and very, very special guy. He loves it. So, like, every time he comes New Year's Eve, like, you know, he sits right yeah. by me and sings. He's got a chair at the drum. Exactly. So, you got to start somewhere. Um, Alex has seen me grow over the years. I know, yeah, I was going to ask I you. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, no. I was going to ask Alex so to kind of give you a critique right. well, of how. I, I do remember I first started traveling. I would try to travel with him, kind of force my way into the into the drum and then I just remember this one time Alex said you're not traveling with us no more if you don't start taking leads yep and then uh, I think I ended up taking one and, he's like, <laughs> and then so now I kind of travel and now you feel a little, little comfortable a, l- a more. little bit more comfortable a, a, little, a little bit he's <laughs> a little still bit. not all right. Right. Yeah, a like, little bit still a little bashful around the drum I need, I need him to get wide open <laughs> Let it go. Let loose like he does on Call of Duty. Yeah. Whatever it is you play. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is you young whippersnappers play at nighttime. Well, this has been a great conversation. I want, yeah. I want to say, uh, Madhu, thank you, Alex, for, for coming, coming by. And, yeah, and anybody that's yeah, interested in hearing these learns, learns great drum groups, we invite everyone to come out to our powwow. Um, you'll probably see Alex walking around, right, Alex? With Hopefully a, he won't with be With a clipboard too- and a confused look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a pen behind my ear. <laughs> so come and uh, scout Alex out and yeah. scout all the uh, wonderful drum groups that we'll have out there. So again, Alex, we appreciate your willingness to come and share all your information with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.